Um, it's funny, you know, when you go to your old church and uh, somebody says to you, do you remember me? And I go, nah. Should I? I said, no, nah, probably not. But our kids were in the basketball team when you coached them. And I thought, oh, this could be bad. And uh, said, uh, yeah, we talk about it all the time. I go, why is that? It said, because we call you the hamburger. Sorry, the, the cheeseburger um, coach. I said, why is that? So always remember the time when you got the kids shouting out cheeseburgers while they played basketball. You see, what was happening was we had a team that didn't do too well and they were playing a team that was very, very, very good. But we heard that they were on the 40-hour 40 40 famine. And so we thought we would make it look like we knew what we were doing. So I'd shout out cheeseburger as though it was a move. And, uh, and they would all shout back, cheeseburger! You see, and it didn't work. We still lost. But they still remember the cheeseburger tactic. But talking about food is what I want to talk about today. Since it is our grazing Sunday, we want to talk about food. I want to take you to a scripture today. And the... the uh, title of my message today is A Change of Diet. Let's have a look at the scripture. Open up with me, if you would, to John chapter 4, verse 26. We've been going through John and this great story that we get to at chapter 4, which is the lady at the well. There's so much in it. You can't just do it in one sermon, so I broke it up into two. And we come to this place where we know John's desire, the great evangelist, his desire found in John chapter 20 of this whole book called the Gospel of John is all about you and I coming to know the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what this whole book, the book of John's all about. And not only that he's the Messiah, but he's come to give you life and life in its full. That's the desire of John. So when we read this scripture, we have to keep that in our eyes, that he wants you and I to know Jesus. He wants us to step into Christ. He wants us to live our lives out of and in and through Christ. And so when we look at this, we say, well, what are you trying to tell us in this story of the lady at the well? So he comes to the well, and as you know, the story up to now is that he's on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. And the long way, but the most appropriate way to go was via, to to bypass Samaria. It's a lot longer. It would take them probably an extra one to two days to get there, but no Jewish person would go through Samaria. Once you go through the Bible course, you will discover a little bit more when you get to about uh, session five you'll discover about why Samaria was such a significant place. But they're going to bypass Samaria. But Jesus decides that he's not going to do that. He's going to go through. So they come up to Samaria and they're being really, really tired. They've probably walked, I've calculated, about 48 to 50 kilometers. Now that's a long way to walk. So they were tired. It says that Jesus was tired. He was thirsty He was hungry, he was fatigued, he was tired. And he sits down by the well. Well, the ladies come up from Samaria, one particular lady who comes up from Samaria to draw water from this well. Now, this well's probably about two kilometers outside of um, the town site at Saka. 
And so he's there and he's drawing, he's sitting there at the, the well and his lady comes up and he asks her for a drink. She recognizes that he's a rabbi because of the way he's dressed and the way that he's looked and his disciples have gone into town now to find a McDonald's and to get some food. So they've gone into town and Jesus is left there at the well. He has this conversation with this lady, a Samaritan lady, that he shouldn't be doing. He's a rabbi. He's a rabbi of authority. And the last thing a rabbi of authority should be doing is speaking not only to a lady, but to a Samaritan lady. And as he discovers a little bit further on, a, a, a Samaritan lady of disgrace. She's divorced a few times, and she's living with a guy that's not even her husband. So she is a lady who is, got, is disgraced. So she's not a person that Jesus, of all people, should be talking to. So he's having a chat to her. He says, would you give me a, some water? She said, well, you know, why? And he says, well, because I need some water. And so she has, has this conversation with him. And in that conversation... She says, well, I'm a Samaritan. You shouldn't be talking to me. And he says, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. And she said, well, where's your bucket? Where, how are you going to do that? And he says, the living water I give you is different. This water never runs out. This is a water that's going to refresh you. I want you to remember that. that. Here's a lady, again, asking about this water and confused about where is he going to get this water from? Then he starts to tell her about her past. She then talks about worship because, remember, the Samaritans worshipped in a different mountain to the Jews and there was arguments about which was the right one and we went through that last time. And so here they are having a conversation about worship to the place where this lady is now convinced that this is more than just a rabbi. This was the Messiah, the one everybody, including the Samaritans, are waiting for. So we pick up the story there. She's just had this conversation. She's just been absolutely blown out of the water. She's convinced he's the Messiah. She believes in the Messiah. And he who believes in me, Jesus said. So she believes that he is the Messiah. And now we pick it up in chapter 26. Then Jesus told her, I am. That whole word again, I am. You've done the Bible course, you'll know the significance of the I am. If you haven't done the Bible course, you're missing out. Then, just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or, why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now remember this lady, may, that may have scared a few of the blokes, right? Because she was a lady that had been around the traps a bit. But he told her everything she had ever done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Underline that if you've got pens, if you're writing stuff down. This was an important, important statement of Jesus. I have food 
that you know nothing about. The word food there actually actually means meat. I have meat that you know nothing about. The same word used um, when you're talking about ceremonial meat, the same word used when, G- when it was said that, that uh, we would you know, talk about the meat of the word and milk, so remember that. This was a significant statement. He says, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? Same question that the lady asked about the water. The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. My son's believing that at the moment. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to the harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work. And now you will get together the harvest. Get together the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days longer. Sorry, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. At the end of two days, Jesus went to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not no honour in his hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him. For they they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. I want to talk about being hungry and about maybe changing your diet. I don't think we understand hunger in our community. I actually don't think many of us have really, really been hungry. I mean, even fasting a few weeks ago, I wonder if we really understand hunger. But I want to talk to you not about just about being hungry, but about what is the diet that you're on. Now, I went to the health studio and uh, did an assessment. And I went there and uh, the guy said, Steve, what are you really trying to achieve? And I said, I'm trying to achieve obedience with my wife to go to the gym. So he said, that's a good start. He said, but what about your fitness? I said, oh, I'd, I'd really like to get rid of this little pot, right? This, this, this little pot here, it's just got to go. He said, no problem. He said, but the workout you've been doing isn't working, is it? I said, no, nah, it's still there. So he said, okay. Let me ask you about your diet. So, oh, yeah, I'm good at my diet. Yeah, I don't eat much rubbish food. I'm, I'm healthy. You know, I don't overeat. He said, okay, well, let's start the day. What do you have for breakfast when I get up in the morning? And I have a coffee. He said, uh, yeah. Well, that's it, a coffee. He goes, do you have any cereal? Do you have, no, no, just a coffee. I haven't got time for cereal. Just have a coffee. Oh, 
that he said, so what do you have for morning tea? Ah, oh, it's good, I have morning tea. Yeah, I have a coffee. He said, ah, oh, right, okay, so common theme coming through. So he said, then what do you have for lunch? Said, oh, lunch, yeah. Well, not that good at lunch. I tend to have a coffee. So he said, well, okay, so what about afternoon tea? Oh, yeah, another coffee. And he's starting to go, well, there's a bit of a concern here. Maybe this might be a problem. He said, but what about dinner time? He said, oh, mate, I have a good dinner. I stuff my face. I will have seconds. I will eat up big. He goes, right. Then what do you do after that for supper? Well, I graze basically all night. I'm in and out of the fridge. I'm checking out the cheese. I'm checking out the chocolate. I got the ice cream. I got the... And he said, I think we have a problem. I said, good, though. It's not the coffee that's a problem. He said, no, that's part of the problem. He said, you are not eating all day. You're filling your stomach up with milk. And then you go... And you scare that metabolism of yours by just shoving food into it. And then you go and sleep all night. He said, you're putting energy in at the wrong time. He said, I want you to try something. He said, I want you to try having small meals five times a day. And get your metabolism happening. I said, great idea. Can I still have my coffee? He said, well, we'll cut back on that a little bit. Maybe cut that back to two. I said, can we negotiate? Maybe three? So, so we got to three. Well, that worked really good for two weeks. But I'm back to my old habits. I know, judgment, judge me, that's fine. But I wonder about your spiritual diet. Let me ask you a question. How's your spiritual diet? Think about it. How is your diet? Are you a little bit like me in my physical diet? Where all week, you're just having just something to keep you going and you're trying to come on Sundays to get the big, massive feet up. And then we go to sleep. And then we wonder why we're getting a little bit overweight. You see, Australia, do you realise in Australia, and this was going back, back about four years, but we spend $7.6 billion a year on fast food. $7.6 billion. Now that actually calculates to 1.2 billion fast foods served, average fast food served per year, which means that's about 3.3 million a day in Australia. Now that's pretty scary, right? Because that's not great. But it tells us something about our lifestyle. We love to be fast. We love to quickly go down and just grab something just to fill the stomach up. But it fills the stomach, but it doesn't actually empower us and give us the right nutrients and the right energy that we need for a healthy life that's going to sustain us through the busyness of life. And if we did that with our spiritual walk, no wonder many of us are hungry spiritually or even starving spiritually. That we've got the little pot happening because we're just not eating spiritual food correctly. See, Jesus came along and he said, I want to give you a diet you know nothing about. Let's pick that story up. First of all, the first thing I want us to acknowledge that Jesus 
got tired. Jesus got tired. Jesus was busy doing the work of the Father, yet he was tired. We all get to a place of being tired. Some of you here are feeling fatigue even now. Some of you are feeling tired from ministry. Some of you are struggling with energy to keep going. Some of you are even questioning whether you have any spirituality. But you see, Isaiah 40 tells me, and and it's a good reminder. It says here in Isaiah 40, even young men or youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. So it's okay. It's normal. That's the idea. You work hard, you fall down tired. You get tired. Everybody gets tired. Jesus got tired. I want to suggest if there's anything you take out of here today is that some of you are feeling empty. Spiritually, there's no energy. Spiritually, I'm not built up. My my spiritual muscles are disappearing. And I'm just running on empty. Maybe even emotionally, you're running on empty. And hence, physically, we run on empty. But look at this. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You see, there is a diet that comes from the kingdom of heaven, from God himself, the creator of you, wants to sustain you physically but also spiritually. And I'm praying, my prayer as I came up this morning from Boddington, I was driving along saying, God, would you feed us today? Would you restore people spiritually today? Would you fill up the spiritual tanks? Would there be energy that we cannot do? You see, the disciples, when Jesus said to them, I'm going to give you food you don't know, meat you don't know about. I thought about that. What was he saying? And this is it. You see, for the Jewish people and for the Samaritans, remember he's just had a conversation about worship. They understood at that stage, because Jesus hasn't died yet. The new covenant hasn't happened. They understood at that stage the way that you get spiritually healthy is going to the synagogue, doing your sacrifices, paying your tithes, giving money to the poor, doing good things would make you right with God. That was their economy. That was their diet spiritually at that stage. And Jesus wants to introduce a new diet. I got a feeling in the Western church today, I think we're doing the same diet. I think we're looking for the church to go to that's got the great preacher and the charismatic pastor who's going to feed me. And if I go there, I'll get my fast food and I'll get it really quick and woohoo, I'm ready and my stomach's full and it lasts for a day and tomorrow I'm hungry again. Or we go to the, the great, we're looking for the great worship time. It's going to be up on the stage. If the worship time feeds me, then I'll be filled spiritually. I wonder if we're fast food junkies, spiritual fast food junkies, looking for something to fill me up because I'm tired 
and I'm weary spiritually. Don't want to tell anybody, so I'll pretend I'm, I'm okay. But deep down, I'm tired because I'm looking for something in the ritual. I want to do something in the ritual to make me full. I might even just finish on this point today because I just got a feeling this is where God wants us to go because Jesus actually says this. What is the food? He said, the food that I get is doing the will of the Father. Stop. Father. You see, his food was embracing his heavenly Father. His food was not the rituals. His food was embracing relationship with the God of creation, Jesus and him as one with the Holy Spirit. That's where he gets it. Now listen to this scripture that we went to just now. It said, he who waits upon the Lord. He who waits upon the Lord. That word wait is not a wait as sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's surgery, waiting for the next person to be called up. It's not that type of wait. It's not the wait where we talk about sitting still and doing nothing and hoping that something's going to happen. It's not that type of wait. The actual word is actually an action word. It's not a word of, of just being still. It actually causes an action. It's the actual same word you would use as somebody who is waiting on tables. It actually means to embrace, to entangle, to become one with. When you understand that, when you understand that this word means more than just sitting back waiting, okay, I'm going to stop doing everything and I'm just going to wait for God. No, it's not a stopping. It's an embracing. It's actually engaging. That's why in the NIV it says, he who trusts on the Lord. You see, when we embrace Jesus... You're filled up. And I want to suggest that we need to learn to actually entangle our lives with Christ. That's where you're going to get filled up. We, it, it's not about, it's, it, it's actually knowing him. It's not going to be the worship team. It ain't going to be the preacher. It's going to be you and I deciding that I want to embrace Christ. The story of Elijah. He's been busy working. He's been busy doing ministry. He is tired and he is worn out and he's just had another attack from, from uh, Jezebel and he's going, I give up. And he runs and he runs and he's tired and he sits under a broom tree and he goes, I'm Done, Lord, take my life because I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I cannot do this anymore. Now look what God does. The Lord takes him up onto a mountain. Now you need to read this, this account very carefully. Takes him up on a mountain and he has a talk with him. So he's communicating with him. But he's still not full. He's having a conversation with him. And then it says, and the Lord passed by. And there was thunder. But he wasn't in the thunder. There was lightning, but he wasn't in the lightning. There was an earthquake. God made all those happen. 
but he was not in it. He was in the quiet whisper of the wind. You see, he was looking at where the Lord was in, what God was in. Jesus Christ wants to come, not in the big bangs, not in the fast foods. He wants to come in the quiet whisper. He wants to fill you. He's in that and he wants to be in you. And he wants to fill us. I could stop there right now and just go, I know there's people here that God just wants to fill up. I know that. I believe that. A few weeks ago, I, I was at the place where I was so exhausted and so tired. And I sat there and I was struggling. And I waited and just started worshipping. And it was like Jesus was there inviting me to step into him. Did circumstances change? Of course not. Did the tensions change? Of course not. But there was a new energy. There was a new energy. Would you rise up and go, I can do this. Why? Because it's not me. It's him that is in me that can do this. Maybe you're feeling like you're giving up. Maybe you're feeling like you're tired. I can't keep going on. It's Christ in me that makes all the difference. Can I encourage you today? To maybe say, Lord, I need you diet. I need to wait upon you. Just want to quickly go through the next one because I think it's so important. The second part of his diet was this. He said, I'm doing the will of the Father. Then what does he say? Look out. The fields are white under harvest. Why did he say the fields are white under harvest? Because this, coming up that mountain was a whole bunch of Samaritans, all wearing white. They had their white gowns on in there because that's what they would have. It would have been all fairly white. And as they're coming up the hill, he says, look, now why would the, the, the disciples struggle with that? Because these weren't the guys, these weren't the guys that are supposed to be coming into the kingdom. It's the Jewish people. The, with fields of white under harvest? In other words, Jesus is saying, I've just opened up a new paddock. It's called the Gentiles, and they're going to come, and the fields are white under harvest, and church, I think God is saying to us and wants us to say, if you want to be filled up, don't wait for someone to do it for you. Seek Jesus and start looking out, because right now, out in our community, the fields are white under harvest. Start looking at others. Jesus said, I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was in prison and you didn't come to visit me. And he said, just as you did to the least of these, you did unto me. You want to embrace the will of the Father? Look into the fields. They're white under harvest. And Jesus said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers. I pray in God, fill us as a body. Let's not look around at who's going to fix things up. Let's look at Jesus. Let's be filled again, right to the top. Let's have a fresh move of his spirit within me that will make me rise up on eagles. That is not dependent upon others feeding me, but it's dependent upon Jesus. Have those little meals every, every day, five days a week. Keep feeding on him. And let's look to the fields because there's people out there. I'm going to just finish off with 
with this comment last week. No, last week, week before last week, last, not this Friday, Friday before. I went to a meeting in town. And uh, I was really keen to go. We'd just been to the movement day where we've, uh, it was very exciting that pastors from all over the country, uh, WA, um, and leaders and churchgoers getting together to talk about how does this church in our city, doesn't matter whether you're Catholic, Anglican, whatever, you are his church. How do we become one and reach the needs, the brokenness of our city together? What if the church could come together as one and look out to our, our communities, to look out to our cities and go, the fields are wide under harvest. There are people hurting and broken and the Father God wants to come and touch their lives. Well, last Friday, we all gathered together, about 250 pastors and leaders from all denominations, met at King's Park at the Fraser's restaurant there. And could you imagine, 250 men and women looking out the glass over the city of Perth, singing, I exalt you, O God. I lift you up because the fields are white at the harvest. But it means us being filled not with the entertainment, not with the, with the filled with Jesus, filled with Jesus, with a passion to look outside and look into a world. I don't know if I shared with you, and some of you were at that meeting, but there was another meeting up here in our community, up at Les Birdie Club. Again, there was over 200 people from our community get together. And they're saying, how can we work together as a community to meet the needs of our seniors who are at home? How could we rally together and care for them and love them? But this is what excited me. Our, our federal member who was going to do this no matter whether he got in or not. So this is before the election. So it wasn't an election speech or anything. He said, I'm putting that to one side. I'm interested in seeing a community that would come together and care. And our Labour representatives were there and they stood side by side. And he made a comment. He said, this started in me when I was at the Kalamunda Church of Christ car park. And I was talking to Steve and we were talking about the community. And he said, it put on my mind. And he mentions this, that the church and the community working together, the fields are wide under harvest, church. We've got to stop looking at someone else filling us up, but being in relationship with Jesus. We're going to take our communion right now. And in our communion, I want to ask you to do something for me. As I do it, is to say, look, God, we want to embrace Jesus right now. See, the communion is a reminder of his body that was broken for us, his life he lived on earth. And the cup is a reminder of the sacrifice that's cleans us, it sets us free, it makes us whiter than snow. What if we would come to Jesus and say, yep, I've messed up. There's sin in my life, that's what we call it. There's things that have separated me from you. And I just want to get rid of those right now. Because that's why you're probably thirsty and hungry. Because you're separated. Lord, would you forgive me? 
He says, not a problem. Confess your sins and I'll forgive you. And as you do that, would you say, would you fill me now with your spirit? Would you fill me, Holy Spirit, would you come upon me? And would you fill this spiritual tank because we are spiritual people who should be living spiritual lives, not carnal Christians. We want to be spiritual Christians that are filled up. So if I can get our helpers to come and hand that bread and cup out. Because the fields are wide under harvest. But the diet he wants us to have is a diet of relationship with him, filled afresh by his spirit, with eyes that look out to do the will of the Father. And we do it together as a church body that loves each other. That's why the the whole body was, we do this together because we do this as a body. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. He said to you, said, all you, he said, all those who are weary and heavy laden, says, come to me, and what I will give you rest. See, the word there, rest, doesn't mean to sit down and do nothing. It's a rest from having to push and to drive those things that are wearing us down, but to let them go. I want to give you rest because my yoke is not a heavy yoke. It's a light yoke. The yoke was actually their manifesto. It was their, their beliefs, their set of beliefs that you had to live under. And you say, my manifesto, my yoke, that thing is not heavy. It was never supposed to be heavy because I've done it for you. But come to me. Father, as we take this bread, we take this cup, we just want to be still before you. Just want to have a moment just to say, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for looking for the external things. Forgive us for seeking the fast food outlets for our spirituality instead of coming to you. And as we confess that, we know that you will forgive us. So we say, Father, forgive us. as we come before you now and pray, Holy Spirit, would you just blow right now in this place fresh life, fresh energy. As the burdens that we've worried about and have pulled us down, we let go of them. Would you now just fill us afresh? Fill those spiritual tanks. Overflow. Let's eat and drink together.